From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. And it is great to be with you again. Carl Gallops is here for the full two hours to discuss end times prophecy, the Antichrist, the satanic deception, the construction of the third temple. How crucial is that to end times prophecy? All of this uh, detailed in his new book, Masquerade, Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History. Quite a provocative title. Uh, Also, if you haven't already done so, please take a moment and register for my free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum. I'll be starting work on the October issue sometime next week. And to register, go to strangeplanet.ca, and up near the top, you'll see a little yellow banner that says, click here to subscribe. Click on it, and a little box will pop up asking for your email. And that's it, you're done. You'll start receiving Inner Sanctum delivered right to your email inbox every month, absolutely free. And Inner Sanctum includes my monthly brief, which is a column on my my views on the big issues of the day. Uh, There's also a look back at the month in UFO or conspiracy history. There is my podcast episode pick of the month for my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. There's a a spotlight on a, a past guest a book recommendation, and much more. Inner Sanctum. Again, subscribe today at strangeplanet.ca. Well, we are, Carl Gallops believes, living in prophetic times. Consider the institutions of education, entertainment, science, information, and communication technology, even the church, that have been either distorted or completely usurped by the demonic realm, he writes. Contemplate the sheer deluge of the doctrines of demons that continues to pour forth upon humanity from all of these sources. And think of the younger citizens of this planet who've only known this kind of diabolical fakery for their entire lives. Is there any wonder that so much confusion reigns across the planet, he says? What kind of world to come is being created by this torrent of filth and fraud? The Bible gives us the answer. It's all hurtling toward the kingdom reign of the man of lawlessness. The deception continues to unfold before us every single day. It commenced ages ago with a steady drip, drip, drip. Then it eventually evolved into a rapidly flowing stream. Then it blossomed into a raging river. Now it's bearing down upon us like a devastating tsunami. And much of today's church is sound asleep as it approaches. In masquerade, Prepare for the greatest con job in history. He writes, we will witness the the unveiling of some of the grandest mysteries of God's word. We can read the firsthand account about a stunning end times vision that is currently sweeping the planet and changing lives for the kingdom. Carl Gallops has been the senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida since 1987. He is also a critically acclaimed Amazon Top 60 best-selling author of eight books and counting. Carl is a graduate of the Florida Law Enforcement Academy, Florida State University, 
where he has a Bachelor of Science degree in criminology. And the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary has got a master's in divinity. He serves on the Board of Regents at the University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama. And Carl is a former decorated law enforcement officer. He's also a frequent guest preacher at National Prophecy and Bible Conferences. He's preached the gospel of Jesus Christ on three continents in four nations and all over the United States and Canada, including Hawaii and Alaska. His previous books include The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, When the Lion Roars, Gods and Thrones, Gods of Ground Zero, Gods of the Final Kingdom, and his latest, Masquerade, Be Prepared for the Greatest Con Job in History. Carl, how are you? Richard, my dear friend, listen, it's an honor to be with you and your fantastic audience. Thanks for having me on tonight. Oh, my pleasure. Masquerade, this book, I understand, was written and sent to the printer before the pandemic hit last, uh, well, November, December. But it's interesting because I want you to talk to me and my audience about the cover of this book, which is kind of, the timing is very eerie. It freaked me out and my publisher, and the cover designer. And it's not just the cover, it's the contents. Let me, let me explain. Um, I did. I wrote this book in 2019. Um, I think it was finished by late summer. It had to get into the publishers in the fall because we had to do the cover work, and the title had to be solidified. And, of course, I get a big say in that. But I'm, I'm published with a major publisher, so they... They foot the bill on everything, and so, you know, they get the final say on the title, and they get the final say on the release date. So they finally settled on that title, Masquerade, based upon the contents of the book, and then Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History is the subtitle, and then the cover. And I'll I'll explain to your audience what it is, but to set it up, then they said, all right, we're going to release it in March of 2020 because that's, you know, the first quarter of 2020, and it's just a good release date. And the publisher was also releasing several other what they thought would be big blockbuster hits in that same quarter, and so they were going to do that. It's Defender Publisher and one of the largest publisher of Christian books, and then, of course, they're affiliated with Skywatch Television, which is a international, hugely popular Christian television show and prophecy, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why they wanted to release it in March. Okay, now... Remember, in summer of 2019, I knew nothing. No one knew anything. At least, you know, none of us regular people knew anything about COVID and the shutdown of global economies and the shutdown of the church all over the world and putting people in their homes and the whole mask-wearing business and not only the pandemic but the fear-demic and just everything that goes with it. A lot of the concern was real. A lot of the panic and fear was irrational, illogical, in my humble opinion. We can talk about that later if you want. But we didn't know anything about this. And so they settled on the title Masquerade. Okay, well, what's the world going through right now? A masquerade. And I'll tell you why that title in just a moment. Well, it comes from 1 Corinthians 11 that speaks of Satan. Even he masquerades as an angel of light, particularly as he's pulling off his, his, his end-time uh, you know, fiasco that he's got coming, according to the Word of God. It's out of the mouth of Jesus. It's out of the mouth of Paul. It's out of the mouth of Peter and John. And, and Paul is the one that wrote the church at Corinth. And he says, look... Satan will masquerade. He'll put on a mask and pretend like he's something he's not. 
and he will deceive the world. Jesus said the deception would be so great that even the very elect could be deceived in the last days. So that's what we were, I was writing about. But in the midst of it, I was, I was putting together the mechanics of how all of this is going to be pulled off and how close we are to it being pulled off. And I wrote about how the spirit of Antichrist is going to work through the governments, if you will, or the institutions of the world, basically to shut down the church. And this, I wrote this in 2019 now, brother. I also wrote a few words in there, a couple paragraphs about maybe using a pandemic to do it. Um, I actually said that. Uh, and then I just went on to explain the biblical principles and precepts of what God's Word says is coming. And the cover they designed is a man wearing a mask. And, <laughs> and the title is Masquerade, Preparing for the Greatest Con Job in History. And again, I'm not a science denier. I'm not one of those deniers that COVID isn't even real. All I'm saying is is that it's my opinion that a lot of it has been hyped. Numbers have been jimmy-jammied. Now we know it. It's all coming to light. Even the latest CDC numbers tell a, 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 a clearer picture, one that we thought was true all along, and now it's in print on the CDC site. So, so we find ourselves in the middle of one of the greatest global con jobs in history to date, but I can tell your audience, according to God's Word, this is romper room compared to what's going to come, but this con job has opened the door to prophetic fulfillment after prophetic fulfillment. And we can go over those in a little while if you'd like. But the bottom right. line is, my friend, I knew what the cover was. I knew what the title was. I knew what I had written, of course. And, of course, we got on with the fall holidays, and, you know, and I'm pastoring a church, and I'm a radio host. I'm doing, I'm flying all over the country doing interviews and preaching prophecy conferences. And I've kind of put the book in the back of my mind. We turn the corner to 2020. Then January and February, we start hearing about COVID, 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 and Donald Trump's trying to shut down the borders in America from Chinese influx, and, and the left is attacking him, and he's just gotten over the whole impeachment thing, and, and the country's in an uproar, and then and the next thing you know, it turns March, and now they're talking about, well, we're, we're thinking about locking everybody down, we're thinking about shutting the economy down, and there was a big fight going on, and we need to be, where, do we need to wear masks or not wear masks? And everybody was weighing in on that. The next thing that comes out is, you know, and there are certain uh, non-essentials like churches. We need to shut the churches down. And this wasn't just in America. This was reverberating all over the world. And right in the middle of that, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what is, what's the cover of my book? What's the title of my book? What were the things that I was writing about in 2019 that might happen pretty soon? And boom, the book is released just like it's supposed to. People all over the world thought that I was, oh, well, Carl wrote that in two weeks. He wrote that in, 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 in you know, February. He's writing about COVID-19. No, but, but when people read it, we began to get an influx of mail and phone calls from all over the world. No exaggeration, my friend. People saying, how did you know? How did you know? How did you know to have a cover with a picture of a man holding a mask on his face, right. with the with the title Masquerade. We've read the book. You talk about things in 2019 that are going to happen, and they're happening now. We're living it now. How did you know it? And of course, my answer is, it just had to be the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, 
I don't claim to be a prophet, but I'm a preacher and teacher of the Word. I'm a student of the Word. I'm a student of prophecy. So, God But you did have a vision, right? Prophetic. You had a yeah. vision, Carl. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's in there, too. That happened some years back. And uh, <laughs> I end the book with that, just showing people that this is how God speaks to God's people. And that story, uh, it's a true account. I hate using the word story because that makes it sound like it's something you know made up. But, but that true account of what happened with this vision-slash-dream that God gave me years ago, and then was, was witnessed and, and backed up by, and I'm sure you've, pro- I'm, I'm not so vain to think you've read every single word of my book, but you probably have read something about it or know what I'm talking about, that yes. it took me years before I ever told it until somebody very dear to me in my own family was talking to me one day about a, a dream-slash-vision they had, and it was identical to what I had. And then, I mean, that was just blew me away. And again, I can get into the details with the audience if you want me to later. But, but, but then the next thing, I'm preaching a prophecy conference a few years later, and a woman that's there, a young woman from Peru, who happened to be at a conference in Minneapolis, she came up to my table out in the foyer. I mean, there's a thousand-something people there. And she says, i got to talk to you. God told me that you could help me, that you're the only one here that could help me. And I'm thinking, well, that's crazy. I mean, I'm not all that. Why would God tell you that? And she said, I had a dream, and I need you to interpret it. And I said, ma'am, I'm, I'm not an interpreter of dreams. I, I, you know, I don't claim to be that. I'm a preacher. I'm an ex-cop, criminal investigator. I'm a preacher. She said, well, will you please let me tell you? I said, yeah. She starts speaking it. My son, my grown son, who goes with me to these conferences, he was in his 30s then, he's in his early 40s now, he, he was standing beside me. He grabbed my arm as she was speaking, and he said, oh, my gosh, Dad, that's the same dream you had and the same dream, and it was his son, my grandson, that had had it years before me and had never told anybody except my wife, and my wife had never told me until I told her the dream I had, and she said, you've got to talk to your grandson. And when he started telling me, it was identical, right down Mm. to the nitty-gritty details. Then this woman from Peru, who's in Minneapolis, standing at my table with my son beside me, she starts giving the exact same details, brother. I mean, details. We've got about five minutes. Just just give us a taste. What, What was the dream? Okay, uh, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be coy. I mean, I can lay the whole thing out, but, I, I, you know, for radio, I'll, I'll do it quickly. People don't want me to talk about it for an hour, but I can tell you that the dream basically was of what was going to happen in the last days, and, and it started like this. And when I tell it, just keep in mind, when my grandson described it to me, because my wife said, tell your grandfather what you told me four or five years ago, and she was sworn to secrecy, but... He was older then, and he started telling it. And then keep in mind that this woman at this prophecy conference in Minneapolis, remember, I live on the Gulf Coast, and she's from Peru. And there's a huge connection there because, as it turned out, after I did the whole thing with her and told her what it was about, because I had had the dream, and she's standing there weeping, I said, where are you from? Because I speak Spanish conversationally, and I said, you sound like you're from Peru. She said, I am. I said, where? And she named the, the city, and I said, well, we've got... My church has a school there for poor children. We, 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 we started that school. We're still, we've been involved for 20 years. She said, what's the name of it? I told her. Now, it's in Lima. And Lima's like 
uh, uh, nine million people. Right. She not only knew the school, but she and her whole family lived blocks from it. What's the chances of this, man? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. She said, oh, I know so-and-so, and I know so-and-so. We're in Minneapolis. I've never met her in my life. But the dream was this. And, it, and it, 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 I just went to bed and went to bed one night. I thought it was a dream, but when I woke up, I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it for weeks. I couldn't shake it for months. I could still smell it, feel it. I could see the colors. It was all in color. I could smell smells in it. It was more like a vision, if you will, kind of like the Apostle Paul when he got caught up to paradise. And I'm not uh, comparing myself to him. But you remember he described it, and he said, I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body. All I know is I was someplace else. And I found myself in the presence of God, in the throne room of God. Well, I wasn't in the throne room of God, but I was someplace else. And apparently so was my grandson. And apparently so was this woman from Peru years later, because we all had the exact same dream. And the basic structure of the dream is this. I was... And I know when your audience hears it, you're going to have people write and say, I've had the same dream, because we've had now... Thousands of people around the world, because I preached this in a prophecy conference about a year ago, too. Now I've put it in my book, and many, many tens of thousands of people are reading it, and people are just flooding us with emails and phone calls saying, I've had the same dream. I never could share it with anybody because I was scared people think I was crazy. But yours has been verified. And so they're telling it, and here's how it goes. And so some of your listeners are going to tell you they've had either the very same dream or something similar to it, because I'm convinced we're getting very close, Richard, and God is revealing this. But I was standing in a field late at night. It seemed like it was night, and I don't know where I was. Behind me was the sound of a huge city, like Toronto, if you will. Uh, horns honking, sirens going, the voices, people. I could hear children laughing, people talking, some screaming, but not in horror or terror, just, you know, just the stuff of life. I could hear construction going on. It was at night, and I was looking into the sky, and the stars were gorgeous, Richard, just beautiful. I, I can't describe to you how real and beautiful everything was. And I found myself in my dream, but, I mean, I thought I was there, uh, naming the different constellations. I've been kind of an astronomy, astronomy buff for years, and so I was saying, well, look, there, there's this and there's that and there's that. And then the stars, the constellations, started moving around and changing colors before my eyes. And I remember thinking, wow, that is weird. If, if I didn't belong to the Lord, I'd be freaking out right now. But something's happening in the, in the, in the heavens. There's something going on. There's something is shifting. Something interdimensionally is happening. And about that time, I heard screaming of horror and terror behind me. But I wasn't allowed to turn around and look. I, I, I just couldn't. I was just looking at what was happening in the sky. And Carl, then, I got to jump in. I have, yeah. We're going to jump in and a, bit, uh, a cliffhanger here. Yeah. We'll uh, take a quick time out, come back, and you'll finish uh, telling us about this uh, vision. And uh, perhaps people who have had a similar uh, dream or vision will, will share that with us in the second hour. Carl Gallops will be with us for the full two hours, and we will open up the phone lines in the second hour. Uh, we'll take a quick time out back with more. Carl Gallops, Masquerade, be prepared for the greatest con job in history as we talk about the satanic deception right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Carl, you were in the midst of uh, telling us about this uh, vision or dream uh, that you were having. Your grandson had it, uh, although that was uh, kept from you. Yes. Uh, it was held in confidence by your wife. She, and uh, another member of your family had had the same dream. A woman came up to you in Peru, uh, from Peru, rather, at a, at a conference, and she relayed, had the same exact uh, vision. So you're out in a, in a field, you, you hear this, the noises of a, a, a city, a, met, a major metropolitan area, you're looking up at the sky, you're, you're admiring the, uh, the heavens, the constellations, all of a sudden they start to shift and turn color, and then you hear uh, a horrific noise. Yes, uh, yeah, it sounded like the world exploded, I just, I, it was metallic sounding, a, 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 a huge noise and then people started screaming behind me it sounded like millions of people in horror or agony and i've got to tell your audience i'm not trying to sell a book here brother i write these books because you know god puts this on my heart and i want the world to know what i believe the lord has shown me in the scriptures through the years but i'm just telling your audience that i'm leaving an awful lot of detail out in this quick radio description but if they'll get the book they can they can see the details of this not only the vision but but how it came together with me finally telling it i i i i kept it to myself for years but yet the lord kept saying one day I'm going to have you share this with the world. And I couldn't imagine, how can I do that? I'm going to get up in front of the world and say, I've had a vision. Yeah, well, right, preacher, you know. You're out preaching prophecy conferences. How convenient that you would have a vision, you know. But I fi- it finally, when my grandson said, I've got it, when, when, when this woman from Peru with my son standing there saying, I, you know, I've got, you've got to tell me something. God told me you could tell me what it is. And she says the same thing. Then I knew it was time. I still waited a couple of years, and then I shared it at a huge prophecy conference in Dallas that was going all over the world. And that's when it just exploded. And I had film producers making films about it, putting it on YouTube. And so I put it in this book. But yeah, so all of this is happening. I hear the noise, and I look up at the sky, and now the, what appears, what I thought were the constellations, the stars if you will, were just really beginning to shift around the heavens. And then I knew this is something biblical. This is not just me seeing things. And the next thing I saw was what I would describe, and I know these words come out of the Bible, but I would describe it as the stars began to fall from the sky, and they appeared to be hurtling themselves towards earth. Now, I'm a science buff, too. I know what a star is, a star is a big ball of gas. This is very simple. It's a sun, and our sun is one of the smallest suns in, the, in our known universe. And, and so stars literally cannot fall to Earth. If they even got close to us, we would burn up. But that imagery is in the Bible of the stars falling to the Earth. Well, you know, people mock the Bible over the millennial. How can a star fall to the It can't even get near the sun if it came just a few hundred miles closer to us, we'd all burn up, maybe 10 miles closer, who knows. But the stars can't fall to the earth. But I'm telling you, I saw what I thought was the phenomena of these stars falling to the earth. But then what happened? As people were just screaming in terror, I could hear sirens going off. I could hear crashing, probably automobiles crashing. It just sounded like the world was coming apart. But I could not turn around. I wasn't fearful, but I was anxious. And then I realized, right before it looked like the stars were crashing to the earth, they were not stars at all. I knew in my soul these were angelic beings. And that matches what Jesus said in Matthew 24. 
He said, after the tribulation of those days, the Son of Man, I will call for my angels from one end of the heavens to the other. They will gather my elect with a trumpet sound. Well, that will come from the heavens. Maybe that was that metallic groaning I heard. I don't know. But I realized then the next thing, I'm being lifted up, but I'm in what I thought was some kind of a, I'm just going to call it a container for right now. I describe this in my book. I looked to my left, and my wife was there. And I know people are saying, well, how convenient. You and your wife get raptured out. Well, I'm just telling you what what happened to me. And the next thing I realized, that there was an entity, a a being, an intelligence, a benevolent intelligence that was over to my right. But again, I was not allowed to look upon him. But I knew in my heart it was one of these angelic beings, and off we went. And the next thing I know, it was like a Star Wars movie. Uh, it was like everything was in warp drive, and the, and the stars, the beams of light in the sky just turned into these streaks, like we were moving at, you know, at, at the speed of light. And the next thing you know, is like we burst through another dimension, and laying before me was, I don't know, a planet, a, a, a plane of of earth, if you will, of, of earthiness, and I looked, and it was absolutely gorgeous. I can I can see the colors, but I can't describe them. I can still smell the smells. It was something like potpourri, and the air, the atmosphere was just unbelievable. We gently sat down. I saw these villages, I suppose, but more than a village, but not quite like a city with skyscrapers, but just beautiful places, villas. And I I remember just asking this being, "Is this heaven?" What is this? And my wife and I were looking at each other, kind of weeping, and the being spoke. I never looked at his face, and he said, this is yours. It's it's yours forever. Get out. Enjoy. This is yours. And that's when I woke up. And I was so furious. I talk about this in the book. I did not. When I woke up and realized where I had been and what was happening in that I thought was a dream, but I couldn't shake it, I, I, I got up. I walked around the room, I got back in bed, and I willed myself to go to sleep, and, and just what I kept saying, Lord, please take me back, please take me back. It reminds me again of the Apostle Paul when he was caught up to paradise, and after it was over, he said, I wish that I could be separate from my body and with the Lord. I'd, I would give anything, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I'd give anything to go back to that, but I'm convinced that God has me here to be used for his glory until the time is right. And, of course, that's what happened with Paul. And, again, I'm not comparing myself to Paul. Right. I'm just trying to explain so, to your audience sure. who may not but have it, ever had anything like this that these kinds, of, these kinds of experiences are real. They're in the Bible, Paul, John, Daniel, these guys. And, and, and little peons like me have, similar, have had similar experiences, and now I'm finding thousands all over the world. So, again, the deal was, Richard, it, even, the, even the dream itself – it was so mind-blowing, and it, after it was all over, I kept wanting to tell my wife, but I thought, she'll think I'm crazy. She'll think. I are, mean, she'll think. Are you I'm, describing, is what you're describing a, a, what they call a, a, a pre-tribulation rapture? Oh, yeah, listen, I, I really don't, don't try to define it in any of those terms. It could, it could be pre, it could be mid, it could be post. It just would depend upon what else was going on in the world at the time, and I wasn't shown that. I wasn't given a date or a time. I was just shown, I believe, that we're getting close. And again, I don't set dates. My people know me. Brother, I was a criminal investigator and deputy sheriff, and, and, and 
I, I look. For, I need black and white. I need fingerprints and DNA and evidence. And <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not a sensationalist in this way. Some of the things I say are sensational because God's word is sensational, and we're living in biblically sensational times. But I'm just right. calling it black and white. And I'm okay, telling- so your your grandson and this woman from Peru, and there was I think another member of your family. I'm not I, I'm not sure, but yeah. Did I, they I, describe? Did they describe? Uh, being taken up in some sort of a container and being shown as paradise and and they and and also the same words uttered by this angelic being get out this is yours yes in fact let me if you don't mind i'll just share a little bit of that with your audience if you think it's appropriate yes uh i think we've got about a a minute here uh carlos you tell me when we're going to break but i think we've got about a minute Okay, well, we won't have time, but, but my quick answer to you is uh, yes. My grandson was just a little boy when he had it. He told his grandmother, my wife, and swore her to secrecy. But it was years later when I had it, unbeknownst that my grandson had had anything like that, my wife kept it secret. He didn't even tell his mom and dad. He only told my wife, who he's still to this day very close to. My grandson's grown and married and getting ready to have his own ch- son now. But so, so, but when I finally, years later, just, I was sitting having coffee, I told my wife, I said, baby, I got to tell you something that happened to me some years back. I start telling her, and she just, her mouth dropped open. And she said, your grandson, who then was more than a little boy, now I think he was 10 or 11, she said, he's coming to our house after school. You've got to tell your grandson this dream. I said, why? I could barely tell you. Why do I have to tell my grandson? He's going to think his papa is out of his mind. She said, oh, no. She said, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm not going to tell him anything. When he walks in the door, you sit him down and ask him to tell you about his, quote, rapture dream. I said, okay. So he came over. I sat him down. I said, tell me. He snapped his neck around and looked at his grandmother like, you told him. And she looked at him. She said, it's okay. His name's Parker. It's okay, Parker. You you got to tell your grandfather, it's okay. So he told me, and this is what he said. He said I was standing in a field at night, Papa, and there was a city or something behind me. He said it sounded like millions of people, and I was looking into the sky, and the stars started changing colors, and they started shifting all over the all over the sky, and then people started screaming, and then the stars started falling, and. And then they came, and Papa, they weren't stars, they were angels, and they were taking people up. And he said, I, I can just say it was like a chariot or something. But you've got to remember, that's what he told his grandmother when he was about three or four years or five years old. He didn't know anything about chariots and raptures. and <laughs> He was just describing right. to his grandmother this, what he thought was a freaky dream, but he couldn't shake it. So he's telling me this. He's using the very same words. He started, literally started with my wife sitting there. I was in a field at night looking in the sky. I could hear the sounds behind me, and I was just freaking out. I said, you – Okay, told- I've got okay. to break away. But, yeah, it gets uh, and Okay, <laughs> back with uh, more of my conversation with Carl Gallops, and we will get into uh, the end times and talking about the construction of the Third Temple and, and the infiltration – uh, of uh, of Satan into many of our institutions, including the church. Back with more. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Carl Gallup stays with us, carlgallups.com. And the new book is Masquerade, Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History. I would love to spend more time delving into that that vision, but I I do want to... Um, move on and cover some of the major points in okay. in the book. Now you and, make uh, me sound crazy. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> but okay. I mean, so what you're describing obviously is uh, this vision. You know, sounds like we are, you know, nearing what has been prophesied in the Bible. This uh, these end of days. And so, I wanted to jump to something rather pivotal uh, when we're talking about end times prophecy, and many people talk about this as being an essential element, an essential piece of the puzzle that has to happen before the tribulation, before, uh, you know, a rapture type event. And that is the construction of the third temple in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. Uh, You know, people can imagine something like that happening. Uh, it, it, It would likely cause World War III. Um, and, and I do want to talk about the uh, the Abraham Accords here in a little bit, but um, you actually blew my mind reading about this because uh, when even having you on tonight, people were saying, "Ask him about the Third Temple and and how is that coming? Is the Third Temple already built, or is it you know uh, is is it going to be uh, constructed soon?" Some people think it's actually being built piece by piece. Uh, and 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 is getting ready to be assembled and so forth. And you uh, you sort of disabused us of that notion in in the book. Just spend a few moments to talk about that the the, yeah. the the construction of the third temple. I will. And let me just say to your audience before we shift to that, please, uh, before you judge what I was saying, I I did not even come near finishing what's going what what happened with the vision please read the book the details are there it's quite mind-blowing and it's uh it's uh, very very hard to uh dispute once you see the line of witnesses that came in contact with this understanding and and i i just really think it's tied to what you said about the temple and everything that's getting ready to happen it's tied to what we're going through right now in 2020 uh and and so yeah but but no i do have quite a chunk of uh the book dedicated to this understanding of the temple and what Jesus really said about it, what Paul said about it. Um, and again, the people, you know, folks will have to get the book. And the reason I say that is I'm not trying to sell a book. It's just that that's where I, I can't do it in a 15-minute segment on a radio show. I can't recite uh, 20 chapters of detailed research material. So that's why I put these things in books. But anyway, um, the bottom line is this, brother. I'm just going to lay out some facts for your audience. Um, there very may well be a third temple on the Temple Mount sometime in the future. And I know there are some people listening right now that are screaming, yes, there will, because the Bible says so. Actually, the Bible does not definitively black and white say that. I already can hear people screaming at me, quoting scriptures. I'll get to some of that in a moment, but let me say this. I'm deeply connected to a man in Israel, born and raised in Israel. He's in his 50s now, served in the Israeli military. His, on his mother's side are, are high-ranking officials in the Benjamin Netanyahu government, so high that I've been begged by the family not to even mention their names so that people don't know how, all of these different connections. I know who they are. I know what positions they hold. I'm not fibbing to your audience. 
But he also, this same rabbi, Messianic rabbi Zev Porat is his name. He has a huge ministry called Messiah of Israel Ministries because he, his father was a rabbi, his grandfather was a rabbi, his great-grandfather was a rabbi. They served on what's known in Israel as the Dayan, which are the rabbinical courts. I mean, they are like way up in prestige, uh, connected to the government. They're not government entities, but they are highly, highly um, uh, connected to uh, influencing government figures. Um, they're very, very orthodox. Zev was raised in all of that. He was raised in B'nai Barak, Israel, the, one of the most, well, it is the most orthodox rabbinical community on the planet, much less in Israel. Um, he went to, uh, to rabbinical training schools, uh, training to be a member of the, of the new Sanhedrin Council, uh, he graduated, certified to be on the Sanhedrin, and in the midst of it all, and it's a long story, I won't tell this, but in, in the midst of it, he came to Jesus Christ to an understanding that Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua HaMashiach, uh, that he is Lord, he is Savior, he is Messiah. His family disowned him. Uh, he, he was fired from his job. He had a huge job in a, in a big corporation, uh, entirely Jewish-owned. They fired him. Bottom line is... The Lord restored all of that to him. He's been in ministry for years. He goes all over the world. He's been in all over media, et cetera, et cetera. And, and he and I, I was in Israel with him not too long ago, about six, seven, eight, nine, well, no, I'm going to say a year ago. I was going to say months ago, but, man, the time is flying. It's been about a year ago I was in Israel with him. And we actually went to the Temple Institute and to the Temple Mount. We talked to some of the, uh, uh, the, the chief rabbis in Israel uh, by phone and then their assistants by face-to-face -face about the whole uh, temple thing. The bottom line is this. Zev Parat has deep connections in the government, deep connections in the rabbinical community, deep connections in the military, and I cite all of this in the book. I give right out of mainstream media, I back up everything I'm getting ready to tell your audience. The vast, 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 vast majority of the, of the Israeli people do not want a temple there. They have no. Most of the Israelis in Israel don't even know where the temple, uh, the, the temple institute is on the Temple Mount, in the Temple Mount area. In other words, that, that tourist site that all the people from around okay. the world go to the Temple Institute. Pardon, pardon my inter interjection again, Carl. This is a short segment, so we're going to take a, a quick time out, come back, and continue to talk about uh, the Third Temple. So important to end times yes. uh, prophecy, according to many. And uh, until you get the Third Temple, they say, there can be no... Uh, you know, Jacob's troubles, there can be no uh, end times, there can be no antichrist and so forth. So we'll get back to that in just a moment. Richard Serrett here on The Conspiracy Show in conversation with Pastor Carl Gallops. Don't go away. Peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, so there were two temples uh, in Jerusalem, the first destroyed uh, by the uh, Babylonians around 587 BC. Uh, the, the second temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. And there is supposed to be the construction of the third temple, we are told. Uh, that will uh, sort of mark or be an important marker in terms of end times uh, prophecy. Uh, we have 
thousands of evangelical uh, Christians around the world donating millions upon millions of dollars to the Temple Institute, um, you know, for the construction of a third temple, which they believe, you know, will will lead to the end times, which they, you know, they want to get the ball rolling. They want the, the second coming and so forth. We have ranchers trying to raise an unblemished red heifer, which will be sacrificed in the temple. Again, an important ingredient, we are, we are told. Uh, but Carl, you're here to tell us uh, that's that's not what the Bible says. Well, not only that, but it's not what the Jewish people say. And I know people are listening right now that are just freaking out, and they think that I'm some kind of a liar or, or a con artist. But again, it's all in the book. It's all referenced out of mainstream media, out of government documents and resources, from the testimony of Zephyrat himself. Again, his family involved deeply in the government, deeply in the military, and deeply in the rabbinical movement, right into the courts of Israel and the Sanhedrin. He's connected to it all, and 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 he he is a huge source. I was with him a year ago. We actually went to the Temple Institute, talked to some of the authorities there. They didn't know who we were. We didn't lie to them, but we just didn't tell them who we were and why we were saying what we were saying and asking what we were asking. And so they thought we were all in favor of helping them. But the bottom line is this, and my book documents this, there's only a minuscule number of Orthodox Jews. See, Orthodox Judaism is divided into denominations much the same way that Christianity is. And so you can have Catholics, and you can have Protestants, and the Church of England, all right? And you've got then, then among the Protestants, and the, you've got the Evangelicals, and you've got all kind of denominations. Well, the, Judaism is the same way. And the very, very most Orthodox, even among them, there is only a small denomination who they truly want a temple on the Temple Mount. I mean, they want to go back to the old, 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 old days. They want a temple, and they demand it. But the government has no intention of doing that. But the kind of the compromise, and it's, it's the best-kept secret in Israel, uh, the, the only ones that don't get it are the Christians around the world. But the, the deal is the government has already issued many declarations. We are not going to destroy the mosque and build a temple on the Temple Mount. We have no intention, no desire to do that. But there, there is a small number of Orthodox who do. But when you poll the people of Israel, overwhelming majority, and this has been documented in mainstream Jewish media, in some of the most orthodox printing of Jewish media, that the overwhelming majority say, no, we do not want a temple. It will be World War III. We just want to live in peace. We don't want war to break out in our front yards and in our backyards. Um, we do not want that. It, it means nothing to us like that. Most Jews in Israel are not even looking for the coming of Messiah, if you will. Most of them are just very historically... Uh, uh, traditionally uh, related to the to the to the traditions of Orthodox Judaism, but they're not walking around every day like you know many Christians are saying, "Man, I, I, looking for the rapture, looking for the return of the Lord." They're, but they're not walking around. Of course, they've denied that Jesus is Christ, so they're still looking for their Messiah. But they don't say, you know, we need to build him a temple. He's going to come to the uh, the temple. Right. The vast majority don't. So. Bottom line is what does the Bible what does the Bible say about the third temple? Well, if anything, I, 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 I will get there, but I got to say this: the bottom line is the Temple Institute. Zev has got it firsthand from people who know, and I put this in the book and referenced it. They have already raised billions, many 
billions of dollars. They could build, Zeb says that they could build 10 complete temple complexes right now if they wanted to. They've got so much money coming in. The government knows it. The people know it. Who's sending it? The Jews around the world? No. The Jews don't want it. It's evangelical Christians because they think the Jews want it. And so the Jews play to that. The, they played. It's a money-raising thing. I'm telling you, this is the best kept secret. All right, now the Bible. So again, we could, I could talk for hours. That's why I'm telling people to get the book. But the bottom line is this: there is no passage in the Scriptures that definitively, black and white, declares that there will be a third temple on the Temple Mount in the third day because the second temple is destroyed, and that's where Antichrist is going to set himself up. I know people are screaming. They're saying, what about Second Thessalonians chapter 2? Well, I deal with that deeply in the book, and you've read it. You know what I'm getting ready to say. And I also deal with the passages in Daniel where Jesus said, when you see the abomination of, that causes desolation standing in the holy place, let the reader beware, as spoken of by the prophet Daniel, then you will know. Well, but there's a whole understanding to that, a contextual understanding. When you read those passages in Daniel, there's nothing mentioned about a temple on the Temple Mount that replaces another temple. And again, I can hear people screaming because they're reading from English translations that has the word temple inserted, but it's not in the original Hebrew. It's speaking of some kind of structure or edifice, and it doesn't really say exactly where it is, but it will be declared holy, and the man of lawlessness will kind of use that area as his headquarters, and from there issue to decrees uh, to, to the last day's believers. And the last day's believers are, are people who are under the blood of Jesus, the saints. Uh, but anyway, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where it says that the man of lawlessness will set himself up in the temple of God, proclaiming that he himself is God, so many people look at that and say, well, there it is. It's in black and white. How can you miss this, Carl? But that's not the context. That's not what it says. I show it in my, in my book. When you go to the original manuscripts, the word for temple is not temple. It is naos. The word for temple in Greek is hieron, which means the temple complex that we think of sitting on the Temple Mount. The word naos literally means the innermost sanctum of the temple, the holy place. But if you look at that in the Greek dictionary, it says it can either mean the inner inner sanctum of the of of the the temple, like the holy of holies, or the Greek dictionary says most frequently used in the New Testament to represent the church or the body of the believer himself. Now, when you look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul wrote that. He's writing the church, and he tells the Thessalonica church, he said, I shouldn't have to write you this. I've told you this. I've written these things before. I have preached this among you. You should already know these things. I shouldn't have to tell you. Well, where would he have written them? Well, when you look at his other books, he never uses the word he Aaron. When you see the English translations about the temple, there's one place where Paul talks about, and when the priests go up to the he Aaron, the temple, and offer their sacrifices there, etc., etc. Every time he uses temple from there on out, he uses the word naos. 
And every time he uses it, he uses it in its symbolic form. Know you not that you are the naos of God, the temple of God. Don't you know that your body is the naos of God, the temple of God, in which the Holy Spirit lives? Don't you know that in the last days, Ephesians 2, God is building up a holy naos unto himself. Jew and Gentile are the building blocks. Under the blood of Jesus, Christ is the head. The church is the temple. Jesus described himself as the temple. I'm one greater than the temple is here. Destroy this temple, pointing to himself, and in three days I'll raise it again. Well, Jesus Christ. What is the church called? The body of Christ. If Jesus is the temple, and now we're the body of Christ, Paul is saying we are the naos. So what did he say in Second Thessalonians? When Paul's speaking, he's only three years away um, uh, from the temple being gone, uh, he was killed in 67 A.D. The temple's gone in 70 A.D. Paul's writing this a little before 67 A.D., probably about 64 A.D. So the temple is still there. Paul's not concerned with being a, a Judaizer, a Jew, and sacrificing lambs on the altar. He's the one that says Jesus is the Lamb of God. Carl, i got to jump in here another time out, top of the hour. We'll uh, pick this up on the other side. Carl Gallup stays with us into hour two. Don't go away.